You're listening to the CIPD podcast series. Welcome to the sixth podcast from the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. I'm Rajan Datar, and in this podcast, we'll be looking closely at the value of having an engaged workforce. Employees who'll go the extra mile. We pull together a range of case studies that reflect the findings of CIPD's latest research, How Engaged Are British Employees, to bring you right up to date on this topical issue. And don't forget, you can download extra information from our website. Visit www.cipd.co.uk forward slash podcasts to find out more. Over the last decade, the CIPD has surveyed employees' attitudes to their work. In our latest survey with Kingston Business School and Ipsos Murray, we explored what it takes to get employees involved, focused and passionate about what they do. Yet it seems that many organisations still struggle to demonstrate the value of engagement. And that's why we asked those at the forefront of understanding and measuring employee engagement to share with us just how they're going about it. But first, Philippa Lamb, our CIPD's Advisor of Employee Relations, Mike Emmett, to sum up the overall picture. Mike, you've conducted this very substantial survey of uh, British employees and employee attitudes. Talk me through the key findings. Well, about a third of employees say they rarely or never get feedback on their performance. Well, feedback is a basis by which people actually understand how how they're doing and how they need to improve a similar rather higher proportion two in five say they're not told what's going on a quarter of employees never or rarely or never feel that their work matters looking further up the organization looking at top management only two in five think top management treats them with respect those are all elements in getting an engaged workforce and yet organizations perform very poorly it's not that nobody's doing it right but it's just the massive gap between uh, the proportion that could be getting it right and those that are one organization that is getting it right is royal bank of scotland group and key to their success is the ability to distinguish between satisfaction and engagement greg aitkin head of hr research and measurement at rbs talked us through their approach in terms of engagement the differentiator there is that that satisfaction and commitment are not necessarily ones that I could could really link to business performance. So if you're satisfied, i.e. do you like it here, you could be surfing the web for seven hours for all I know. Uh, and similarly with, with, with commitment, it's do you like it here and do you want to stay? The real differentiator is do you like it here, do you want to stay, and will you go that extra mile? Are you highly engaged in the organisation you work for? Being able to understand that and take action on it is a real differentiator for companies. So, being able to understand whether employees are truly engaged and take action on what you know about them is what makes the difference. However, it's equally important to communicate your actions and to recognise that different areas of a business may need different approaches. Suzanne Laverick, UK Employee Benefits Manager at Cadbury Schweppes, told Philippa about some of the challenges she faces. Communication is obviously a huge part of all this. No point doing these surveys and having these processes if, if it's not communicated clearly to the staff what's out there. Is that a particular problem on the production side of the business? Yeah, communication is a, a huge challenge, um, specifically in my area, which is employer benefits. And we have a really comprehensive benefits programme, but it's um, an absolute nightmare to be able to get out into the production areas to talk to people about the programme. So, you know, I've worked in a manufacturing area, so I know 
um, what the barriers are and, um, you know, that not necessarily all communications get through to, to the line. And also that they don't necessarily think that people are particularly bothered, um, that they're just there to, to produce chocolate and that's it. Um, so for me, it's become more of a personal thing to, to make sure that those people feel like they're being listened to and that the company's doing something for them. Being listened to is key to feeling valued, and it's vital that everyone is included. Suzanne told us more about the important role that line managers have to play in improving employee engagement. What we have done is actually engaging our line managers and actually saying to them that you know they value the programme, that it's only right that we get the opportunity to talk to their team about what the, the benefits could be to them. Um, and we're just in the process now of doing one-to-one -one briefings across all of our manufacturing sites in the UK um, with reference to our Choices Benefits programme. Um, and the feedback has been overwhelming, it's been superb. So yeah, communication is huge. Yes, because as you say, if there has in the past been a bit of a them and us culture between perhaps the the, the clerical and management staff and the production staff, which obviously you, you're addressing. But if it's there, I imagine there are some some trust issues at the at the production end of the business about whether they want to engage with all this stuff that may or may not be on offer. Um, so it, it's quite a tricky message to get across, isn't it? That it's there for them and that they should take it up. It is. I mean. We found that employees are engaged by personal experiences from other people within their team that they know and that they trust. Um, we did have an instance um, a couple of uh, months back whereby one particular person within a team at our Sheffield site um, had had an awful lot of problems in their family because they hadn't had a will. Um, we offer a will writing service within our Flexible Benefits programme um, and their whole team have signed up for them. But I think it's really important that we're now starting to get employees to also talk about the benefits that they've taken advantage of and how they can then benefit other people. There's no doubting the power of word of mouth, as Suzanne's example shows. OK, so far we've heard from two private sector organisations, both committed to employee engagement. But how do levels of engagement differ in the public sector? Philippa asked the CIPD's Mike Emmett for his view. Is there a marked public private sector divide and employee um, engagement and, and happiness? Consistently with all the work we've done on employee attitudes through the last 10 years, the public sector comes out bottom of the heap. Uh, central government uh, figures are fairly appalling. Uh, the rest of the public sector consistently underperforms the private sector in terms of engagement. It's a figure that we've uh, seen going right back through all our attitude surveys. Um, not totally clear why that is, but uh, we attribute it largely to the fact that uh, working in a political environment, it's very hard for senior managers to, to adopt the sort of role that private sector managers would do. Um, I think there is an, an, an endemic problem uh, of getting an engaged workforce in the pub public sector, and until they've cracked it, efforts at public sector reform are going to be hamstrung. So the research clearly shows that currently, overall, private sector organisations are having a better time of securing an engaged workforce. That's why we were interested to hear Northumberland University's employee engagement story. Philippa chatted with their Director of Human Resources, Claire Curran. We've heard about how they, you know, large corporates have been dealing with um, employee satisfaction in the private sector, but I imagine that the issues confronting you are rather different. Yes, I think they are. I think from... Um 
a university perspective, although we're very much into communication with our students, one of the things we haven't been particularly wonderful about is understanding what staff's views are and thoughts are. We've done a large um, pay modernisation project in the last um, 24 months, and during that period what we realised was we weren't actually understanding what our staff wanted. We didn't understand their views and thoughts. So what we've done is we've started by um, looking at setting up staff forums. We have a staff communication group which has representatives from every school and service. Uh, and myself and my colleagues said, right, we're going to have... And we had 19 communication sessions one week and we got about 1,500 to 2,000 staff attending. It's fantastic. First time ever. So it's, it's a real opportunity for us. We're only starting. We've never done a staff survey and that's one of the things that we're going to do this year for a first time. Um, so for us, we're very much on the beginning of the track. Because it is amazing, you know, talking to um, RBS and Cadbury Schweppes, the engagement they get from their employees in terms of engaging with the staff surveys is, is extraordinary. They're getting 80 90% responses on these. Um, so, you know, you can really see the benefit of, of getting them to connect. But your people seem quite testing. I think our staff survey will get a very low response first time round because I think staff will be concerned about who's going to deal with it, where are the responses going, and actually will this organisation deliver on anything? And I think once we've done it and they can see some delivery of some of the areas that have come up, we'll get a better engagement the next time round. So from the conversations you've had so far, particularly with your academic staff, are you starting to form a picture of what sort of things add up or are you not at that stage yet? I understand some of the things that they're looking for. Um, and there's something around the workload. Looking at the workloads that they have, they all feel, in a lot of cases, overworked, have very particular periods of time where they're stressed, when they're looking at the markings. They have large student groups, so you're looking at three, 400 in some lecture groups and teaching groups, and they need to do their assessments. And they don't feel they have the time to engage in the research activities, and they would love to do more of that. So some of the things that we've done in the last couple of years is actually put in a career programme for our academic staff. So we've looked at career paths for, down the research research route, the learning and teaching route and the enterprise route. So we're now starting to listen to what the academic staff want and we've put these things in place but we've got a long way to go. Once again we come back to the importance of listening to employees. But that's not all. Mike Emmett revealed more. If you want an engaged workforce, three things really matter. One is you've got to listen to what your employees say to you. Uh, you've got to tell them what's going on and explain. You've got to communicate. In other words, it's both upwards and downwards. You've got to communicate. And thirdly, you've got to treat them with respect. So those three things, it's good communication plus respect, will take you a very long way. Which all sounds great, but... I, I see you quoted as describing the relationship between employers and employees in many British workplaces as a marriage under stress. So I take it this is not happening. I think our conclusion from the work we've done is that there's a lot more employers can do. One in three, roughly one in three employees are engaged, but it could be so much higher. The CIPD podcast. One organisation that definitely knows how to make that figure higher is RBS. They have a succinct way of expressing what they want to achieve. The three main components for RBS is say, stay and strive. It's about do you say great things about the company? Do you have an intense desire to stay with the company? 
And importantly, do you exert that extra effort, that discretionary effort? We'd call that go that extra mile. So I can really see the point of that. It's common sense in many ways, isn't it? If, if people are, as you say, engaged, enthusiastic, positive, they're going to work harder. But how do you measure that? For us, uh, we work hard at uh, two levels. One is an overall engagement score based on these three components, say, stay and strive. Uh, and we, we do that consistently across 150,000 people in 30 countries uh, across 40 brands. And for us, that allows us to get a consistent benchmarkable measure for engagement across a workforce. And then that's underpinned by a number of driver questions that allow us to understand what to do to improve engagement. So it's not just about the pure engagement score, it's about what actions demonstrably a manager can take to really increase engagement in his or her business unit. Do you find that your people want to be bothered with these staff surveys? You know, there's a lot of negativity around staff surveys. What sort of response do you get? A response rate is, is phenomenal. It's 87% uh, worldwide uh, and online it's 94%. How do you manage that? For us, it's been a, a real commitment to doing something with the survey. There's, there's only one thing worse than not doing a survey, and, and that's doing a survey and doing nothing with it. A valuable reminder there that surveys themselves are not the answer. It's what you do with the findings that really matters. Earlier, we learned that Northumberland University are about to conduct their first ever staff survey. Claire Curran told Philippa what they hope to achieve. One of my tasks is about engaging the management of the university to accept a first time. We'll find a number of negatives, but we can turn them into positives and then it will make us much more of an employer of choice, not only within the region, but also nationally and internationally. And that's what we need to do. And I think that's the difficulty for them. So they need to learn to behave more like private sector managers, really? I, don't, I won't say private sector managers. I think what they need to learn is, is that where there are difficulties and problems, if they address them, they will improve their services. And I, I'm not sure that's private sector. I think that's just general good management. Presumably, as an academic institution, you can't just throw money at this problem, can you? Your pockets aren't as deep as some of the larger corporates we've been speaking to. So you have to be quite creative about your solutions. We're very creative about our solutions. We don't have a lot of money to throw at staff, but what we have done, we've set our stall out to pay at the upper quartile of the market. So in putting our new pay structure into the university, we moved away from the national recommended model, deliberately so, so we can be attractive. And we just look at the environment, and we look at the way they work and offer them opportunities and benefits. And so they need to know what we're going to do, and then we need to respond back to them. While some of the parameters may be sector-specific, as Claire says, a lot comes down to general good management practices. And there is clearly enough evidence to suggest that whichever sector or industry you're in, improving employee engagement is worthwhile. Mike Emmett told us why. There's a strong business case for employers to try and drive up levels of engagement amongst their employees. Engaged employees are more committed, they perform better, they're less likely to leave, they're more likely to promote the organisation with their family and friends. Some powerful messages there. So what return on investment is Northumberland University hoping for? Here's Claire Curran. What are you hoping to get from your people in return for the effort you're putting in here? What more do you want to see from them? I think to say more commitment has to be one of the key things. But I think more flexibility. 
um, so that staff aren't just sort of looking in their own area of where they're working, but they can look across the university. So where we need to grow a particular area, the opportunity to move them from one area to another, I think is critical. It's something we don't do now. Everybody sits in their own little silos. But I think as time moves on, we should be looking for more flexibility, getting similar staff groups working together and working across areas rather than just within their own silo. And that has to be the future for the organisation. A more committed and flexible organisation must be beneficial to any business. Greg Aitken takes it a step further and addresses the link between benefits and engagement. Just paying people more money doesn't, doesn't solve the problem here. It, it doesn't engage them, which is an interesting thing, isn't it? And, and even more interestingly, if I understood you correctly, you're saying that it's not just a question of money, it's, it's benefits across the board can be used. Yeah, I think base salary is a very important aspect of, of, of why people come to work and it's why they're, they're engaged. But more importantly than that, in many cases, and studies have proved that, that it's a total reward package and it's also in terms of, of a number of the softer things in the proposition that you have from your organisation. And in some cases that could be the location of the work, it could be the, the workspace that you're working in, it may well be the people you're working with that are differentiating factors. And you found a strong correlation between the more um, benefits that people choose to opt to have, the, the more engaged they are with the organisation, is that right? Yes, we, we, the, we've done a lot of work in terms of looking at how effective engagement is in, in, in rewards uh, through a reward lens. And, and staff who take three or more major components of a reward system, a flexible reward, uh, are up to 20% higher engaged in the business. And over time, we've tracked uh, engagement levels in RBS group across the, the world, and, and they've increased by 45% over the last three years alone. That is a fantastic achievement. All the things you've been talking about clearly will impact in a very positive way on recruitment and retention and staff satisfaction. Do they impact on the bottom line? Does the bank make more money because you do this? Undoubtedly, in areas and business units who have high levels of employee engagement, high levels of, of, of leadership, there are superior significant increases in business performance and customer service. Well, statistics like that are impressive and show that improving employee engagement does improve business performance. So what more can be done? Philippa asked Mike Emmett. Are we heading in the right direction with all this, Mike, do you think? Or, or are we just standing still? The evidence from this survey is that uh, across the UK workforce as a whole, uh, there's a lot of progress needs to be made. However, a real shift in the last few years is that more organisations, leading edge organisations like RBS and others, have actually uh, learnt how to uh, reduce engagement to a sort of process that they can systematically manage and actually put numbers to and actually deliver measurable results with. Um, many, many organisations uh, have got the message and are doing a great job. Uh, the problem, as usual, is to spread that uh, knowledge and that awareness and that commitment across the uh, UK economy as a whole. Whatever stage you're at on your journey to improve employee engagement, it seems that by recognising the value of listening to, communicating with and respecting your employees, you can go a long way. Our next podcast will focus on learning and development, based on interviews with speakers at our HRD conference later this month. Thanks for listening, and remember you can find out more about all these issues and our HRD conference by visiting our website. Until next time, goodbye.
been listening to the CIPD podcast series.